And I've definitely drawn on theories like that in my characters because I feel like it's really important to try and make characters, I don't know, as realistic and, and, and flawed as possible because we are all flawed. Like, you know, no one is perfect. And I think probably I've, I've drawn most from like writers like Robin Hobb and Joe Abercrombie who write these characters who are really um, sometimes not very nice people. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And uh, so tell us about your book, uh, Awakening the Commune's Curse, book mm -hmm. one. Yeah, so Awakening is um, the first in a trilogy, uh, the trilogy being The Commune's Curse. Um, it's a multi-perspective book, so told from um, four POVs, but um it's kind of, they're not balanced in that you see a lot more of certain characters than others um so we've got evelyn rafe uh hector and commander suleiman um and basically it's a dark fantasy it's set in a kingdom that is um essentially ruled by what is an authoritarian cult like organization um and they're hunting down children who are who have been born with these ancient powers so they kind of uh present in essentially random children across the kingdom and the commune wants to control these powers um so evelyn is what i would call the main character of this book um she's 18 years old she has been through a traumatic experience in her past um, and she's kind of struggling with anxiety low self-esteem, trauma, and and really struggles to trust people. Um, but she finds herself kind of thrust into the role of protector of Rafe, who is one of the other point of view characters, um, and his sister Rose, who is six years old. But it turns out, and you find this out early on, so I'm not going to count this as a spoiler, because I've also been using it as my, like, advertising. <laughs> um, but basically, Rose uh, has these powers that the commune are hunting down. So essentially the, the story kind of starts off where Evelyn is is responsible for these two children essentially um and struggling to know how to to keep them safe from what is a, what what is a really powerful organization um in terms of you know a lot of people don't question the authority that they hold over the kingdom even though it's quite problematic in a lot of respects um and yeah, that, that's the story. It's how, how is Evelyn going to protect Rafe and Rose? Hector ends up being someone who is part of um, a rebel group who is trying to fight against the commune. So he tries to offer them safety. Um, and Commander Suleiman is a soldier who works for the commune. So he's part one of the people who's hunting them down. So yeah, that's kind of it in a waffly nutshell. I won't, I won't try and explain it any more than that because we could be here for a long time. But it's you know you know what the hardest part about writing a book is being able to succinctly explain it. That's what I've found having written the book. Hopefully that was succinct enough for you. Yeah. Uh, so it's a trilogy, correct? Mm -hmm. That's right. And do you have the whole trilogy planned out? I do. Um, so book uh, two is written, but in need of substantial editing um and book three is is kind of i've got a few chapters written i kind of get random scenes that i want to write down 
and try and get them written before they kind of leave my brain altogether. Um, but when I signed with my my publisher, um, Santa Fe Writers Project, they they asked for like a full outline of the three books just to show that I actually knew where I was going with it. Because I tend to be um, someone who doesn't plan extensively. You know, I like to just get into the writing and see where it goes. So that was a bit of a challenge, actually having to sit down and write the three book synopsis. So that's essentially what I have for book three is a, a detailed synopsis. So I know roughly where it's going to go. I think there'll probably be some changes along the way because there have been changes in the first book as I've done the editing. But yeah, I have a a kind of an overarching plan. But I think as I, when I come to write book three, there might be some surprises even for me. Yeah, nice. So the the outline that you gave to the publisher, if you decide to change anything from that original outline, how, do you have to let them know about it, or is it just something that you have the freedom to go and change if you want to? Yeah, you know, I think it's probably a case of um, they just wanted to know that I roughly knew where I was going. I wasn't just saying this is a trilogy, but I'm just like fumbling around in the dark, not knowing that it's actually going to work out to be a trilogy. Um, to be honest, I think the main plot points will be very similar, if not the same. And I, I, they've been very, very kind of supportive in terms of allowing me like creative freedom. Like my editor, Nicole, is amazing at just being able to um, encourage uh, my thought process as a writer and like to give me ideas if I feel stuck anywhere. So I have no doubt that that will happen as we go through book two. And then once I've written book three, so yeah, I don't feel like it's a rigid thing I have to stick to. To be honest, I haven't read it in like two years, so I should probably <laughs> go back and remind myself what I wrote. Um, yeah, I think it'll be it'll be one of those processes that will be quite open to change if I need to change anything. Hmm. And how long have you been planning to write a book? Um, you know what? Th like, this is the first book um, that I've written in full. Um, and I started writing it uh, 2018. Um, I was training to be a counsellor and I just kind of, I was a student with probably, well, actually definitely way more spare time than I have now. Um, and I was like, I hadn't written in a long time. I used to write when I was a kid. And then I don't know if a lot of writers sympathise with the fact that you get this, I don't know, this idea in your head, you're like, oh, oh, I'm not very good at writing, so I'm just not going to bother kind of thing. That that was definitely my thought process for a long time. Um, but when I started training to be a counsellor, I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna just do it. I've got spare time. I can commit to write, trying to write a book. Um, and I finished it. I think I started like March 2018 and finished in NaNoWriMo that year. Mm. Um, that was an intense month. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so... It's not something that I had planned for a long time. I think at the back of my head, I always thought I'd like to go back to writing. But that was the first time I said to myself, right, I'm going to actually write a whole book. And I did it and I saw it through, which is, um, yeah, I, I'm proud that I was able to do that. And you mentioned being a counsellor. How did your time as a counsellor affect your or influence your, your storytelling? Um, it definitely has a lot of influence. I mean, so I mainly... Um, through the pandemic in particular work with um like teenagers and, and younger children um so i've you know i've got two teenage characters in the book evelyn and rafe um 
And it's not that I kind of drew on any particular specific person's experience. I've just seen probably common experience across teenagers and children, um, especially over the pandemic when there was like rising uh, mental health issues that I was very much uh, witnessing like firsthand. Um, so I, I've definitely drawn from that experience of working with that that age group. Um, and also learning about counselling theory and mental health theory, I find fascinating. Um, I, I'll talk about it like to anyone who listen, to be honest. Uh, and I, I tend to use it as like a bit of a foundation for character creation in particular. Um, there's certain theories like attachment theory, for example, that explores um, how your childhood attachments to certain people, whether it be parents or other caregivers, um, impacts on how you kind of grow up, how you think, feel and behave as an adult. Um, and I've definitely drawn on theories like that in my characters because I feel like it's really important to try and make characters, I don't know, as realistic and, and, and flawed as possible because we are all flawed, like, you know, no one is perfect. And I think probably I've, I've drawn most from, like, writers like Robin Hobb and Joe Abercrombie who write these characters who are really... Um, sometimes not very nice people um, but you still sympathize with them because you can see where they're coming from and I think the counseling theory and, and, and the fact that I've worked with so many people uh, since I've trained to be a counselor and just heard about so many different experiences and used my own experiences as well um, that has definitely allowed me to create what I hope are characters who people can connect with uh, because they can actually see like oh yeah I, I i'm like that myself or i know someone like that i think that's where where it's the counseling has really come into it with the characters hmm. how has your time as a counselor changed you as a person in just everyday uh, life mm, massively um <laughs> before as a counselor i feel like i had a lot of <clears throat> unexplored aspects of myself and of like just society as a whole um and i'll try and explain that in terms of like we did um modules looking at like different cultures and stuff like that and um training to be a counselor was the first time i ever heard the term white privilege and um i was just like wow okay this is this is scary this is something that i totally agree does exist but i had never even thought about it before so it really opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of issues like that and also to a lot of issues in myself that I had never really looked at before. Like like I said earlier with the childhood stuff, I think that really does play a role for a lot of people in terms of how you do turn out and how you function as an as a person. Um, so part of the the degree that I did required you to have your own personal therapy while you were training to be a counsellor because you can't really counsel other people if you've not looked at your own stuff. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I changed a lot as a person. I learned a lot. I, uh, much to my husband's joy, changed my political leanings because it was something I'd never, ever thought about too much. I was just like, I'm going to vote for who my family votes for. I'm not really think about it. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, my empathy grew for other people. You know, I was hearing about other people's experiences and just think, I can't, there's no way I can still vote for that particular side um knowing what I know now and having met the people I've met so and I, you know I'd 
hopefully I'm just a better person for it generally. There's still, you know, I don't kid myself that I've I've done all the work that I need to. Um, but I've come a long way from the person I was. I've changed relationships. I've I've met new people who are uh, far better for me, far more balanced relationships. It's just, yeah, it's it's been a really amazing journey. And part of that has, you know, led me to actually having this book coming out, which is all part and parcel of it. I, w- I wouldn't have done this if I hadn't trained to be a counsellor. Oh, wow. That's pretty massive changes. Mm. And when you create characters, do you create their entire backstory before you put them in the book? Do you have, do you know who they are before you insert them in the story? Mm. I think to an extent, like part of me must, um, even if it's on a subconscious level, because so to kind of step back a bit, I started writing this book as well. I started playing um, Dungeons and Dragons for the first time while I was on my counselling course because someone invited me. And Evelyn was my Dungeons and Dragons character. Um, so I had to write her backstory. Um, and so I kind of had her pre-written and I knew what she, what some of her history was. Um, but it's definitely one of those things that has become what, like so much more padded out as I wrote the book and as I've... I don't want to say learned more about her, but I think it is that. I don't believe characters have agency like they are, they're all part of me. They're all out coming out of my brain. But as I wrote more about her, like more of her made sense. Um, and it's the same for all the other characters, especially the main point of view characters. I don't tend to plan massively. I do get bored with it. Um, so I was just like, I'm going to write and see what happens. And a lot, a lot of them did change um, in terms of they became way more padded out definitely as I was writing the book and as I was editing it as well because having other people look at it like I've had beta readers and my editor just looking at it from a different perspective sometimes you can come become a little bit blinded to like plot holes or like some things about characters that didn't make sense mm-hmm. um so I would say to actually answer your question <laughs> the characters were kind of written to start with but they've changed massively over the course of like the the three years it took to go from first draft to final draft Mm -hmm. and it's it's always interesting to me to hear everyone's publishing experience because everyone has a different experience and it's it's just something that i find really fascinating how everyone gets they work so hard on a book and they have to and then it's almost like the real work starts after that point to get it published Uh, What was your publishing journey like? Mm -hmm. Totally agree with that. Um, Yeah, if only I'd known, like, writing the book was the easy part. Um, (laughs) I mean, when I finished the first draft in November 2018, I was like, yeah, I've written a book, this is it, I've done it. And um, I immediately started submitting it out, which was really foolish because it was a first draft. It was not in any way, shape or form ready to to be read by anyone but myself um so yeah that was kind of a learning curve most definitely because I submitted it to a lot of agents got a lot of rejections um understandably so um and at the same time I met um a a friend called Cindy Van Wilder who is another fantasy author I met them on Twitter and they were giving me a lot of feedback on my my book and helping me to basically do rewrites and stuff like that um because that's what that was definitely what was needed I needed to at least read the whole thing again um 
because even just taking a little break from something and going back to what you notice, plot holes, you notice issues that you didn't notice before. So probably did like a six month window of submitting in that first with that first draft before I realized, yeah, I probably should be uh, taking this like back and working on it again. Um, so I did a lot of tweaks. I had some more beta, beta readers that I met on Twitter um, and started submitting again. I think I want to say like summer 2019. Um, and I was doing, again, agents, but also I found publishers who were willing to take uh, submissions from unagented authors. Um, part of that is probably because I'm really impatient. And I was like, if I get an agent, then there's still like going to be a wait <laughs> before there's a publisher. Whereas if I go direct to the publisher, there's less of a wait. Um, yeah, so I, again, I still did get rejections, but I I continued kind of working on it as I was going. And I was making like little tweaks here and there. And I found my publisher, um, SFWP, because they put out like an open call for um, fantasy, like genre books. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to submit it and see what they say. Um, and actually the feedback was like, no, but if you make these tweaks and like you could work on this area, um, we'd like to see it again. And that was the first at like actual kind of feedback or it was a rejection, but it was positive mm -hmm. because they were open to actually reading it again. So I did, I took that away. I was like really eagerly like, I'm, I need to do this right now. So I kind of sped through um, making changes, resubmitted it like end of 2019. Obviously 2020 hit and uh, the world shut down. Um I think I got an offer like spring 2020. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of a wait waiting period, but to be honest, that's part of the process of submitting anyway. Wherever you're submitting to, there's there's going to be a wait. Um, yeah, and they, they offered a, a contract, and and that was it. I was I was really excited, and here we are, two years later, and it's it's coming out. It's um, I feel like I'm, I'm quite lucky in a way that is that you know it's my first book that was accepted I know that doesn't happen for for people all the time um and yeah I th sometimes I think I need to kind of actually realize that this is really amazing because mm. I I'm lucky to have found SFWP and that they they took my book on and it's been it's not been that long a journey to be honest you hear about people who are submitting for years and years and actually it was like a one year to 18 month process and I found a publisher and and here we are and it still feels really weird that I have a copy of my book like on my shelf <laughs> I still have to pinch myself <laughs> yeah it must be great to finally hold it in your hands and have your your book in your hands it's yeah it's it's a huge achievement it's a huge accomplishment so uh, it's great to, uh, and especially for a first-time author for for your first book to get an offer that's that's a that's another big accomplishment absolutely as far as storytelling goes, uh, what makes a good story? Ooh, that is a question. I, for me, I think it's the characters come like number one. Um, just again, thinking of the authors that I like, you know, I already mentioned Robin Hobb and Joe Abercrombie. They make write amazing characters. Um, obviously, he's massively popular and that there are so many amazing smaller authors but George R. R. Martin springs to mind because of the complexity of the characters that he writes 
I think, yes, obviously the plot does, does play a role in how enjoyable a book is, but if a book has really like bland or kind of tropey feeling characters, um, I'll be I'll really struggle to get through it and I, and probably just, just stop reading it at some point because it's just I think it's the characters you get invested in and the characters that you care about and you care about whether they're going to actually succeed in whatever it is they're doing. And if you don't care about them, then what is the point in reading about their journey? Um, yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm someone who has I've enjoyed fancy stories in like every medium, you know, book, TV, film, video game. Um, and whenever I think about the, the ones that I enjoy the most, it is where the character is... Um, they're not always the good person, but they are one who I can connect with on some level. Um, and that's what makes me really enjoy the story. Hmm. And as far as, uh, and, and you've written a lot of short stories too, and I wondered mm. how do you write an effective short story? How, how has that experience writing short stories mm. helped you with your book? Yeah. I, well, short stories are, um, I think I was just writing them because it was like that idea that I could write something really quickly um, and I was submitting them out. Eventually I ended up just putting them all on my blog because again, with the impatience, I was like, I can't be bothered to wait like three months, three to six months to hear back from somewhere, whether they want to want to print it or not. I'm just going to put them all on my blog and then people can read them immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's that kind of instant gratification of you can write a short story in like a few hours whereas a book obviously takes way longer than that. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether my short stories are <laughs> any good, to be honest, because I just put them on my blog. I'm like, here you go, enjoy. Um, but for me, I think it is just like being able to explore different stories or different characters that aren't set in this trilogy because I'm so like focused on that, being able to step away from it and do something a little bit different uh, every now and then helps to keep me well it's not that I would get bored of it but it's just interesting to step into other characters heads from time to time in different worlds um and you know my trilogy is a bit grim it's a bit dark fantasy so although to be fair most of my short stories are also a bit grim sometimes I write happy ones <laughs> um like so that's that's something different to explore as well um actually something that's got a happy ending rather than something a little bit sad or depressing um yeah so i think they just give a, a different way for a writer to um like hone their craft i, I you know what? i think there is an art to short story writing and i don't know if i've actually got it because there's people who write way better short stories than me but i just enjoy writing them because like i say it's, it's a little bit of a change from the trilogy mm -hmm. yeah it's probably nice like you said get a break from from that world mm. I also read that you're you're a fan of horror and of thrillers, and I wondered yeah. how did you did you take aspects of those genres and and put them in in this book? Um, I think probably a little bit of the, the horror. Like sometimes I try and recreate a bit of an atmosphere in certain aspects of the book. Like there's some locations because um, I think the horror genre is one where location is is really important to get that that, that balance of of atmosphere right and being able to get that um tension and um strike that kind of sense of foreboding in 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 the reader and I, I think i think of a couple of times in 
awakening where that happens where it's a little bit like oh what's going to happen like this feels a bit like scary um so I would say probably I've drawn from that um and yeah I think that's probably the main thing I have got I've got another like fantasy like story that I'm working on that is horror because it's got a um serial killer in it and I think that I'm trying to like focus my horror knowledge however limited they might be into that series although I haven't looked at it for a little while whereas Awakening it's I'd say probably more dark fantasy than horror but there are certainly elements that I've taken from the horror books that I've read um I don't want to stay say Stephen King is the main one but he's the only horror author I could think of right now <laughs> uh who's writing I, I really I really admire yeah, so I think it's probably something you may see in future books from me because it's those are definitely genres that I want to write more of. Um, I, I may like to try a crime thriller at some point or just bring in elements of those genres into um, fantasy because fantasy will always be like my number one. But I think it's interesting when you have those mashups, um, they can make really kind of unique storytelling. So I'd like to give that a try at some point. Definitely. And I was thinking, um, as far as genres go, are, is 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 a genre important? It, it, something you've probably learned from your publishing experiences. Do do publishers look for a genre like who? Like, in other words, yeah. who can we market this book to? Is that important? Is, was that a, a thought that went through your mind as you were writing Awakening that you had to have, like you just said, you described the book. Did you have to have a genre that you pitched it as, or is that important at all? Hmm. Um, you know, I think it was important when looking for agents. Hmm. Um, and that's something I'll bear in mind if I do ever look for an agent in future, because that there's they've obviously got their their manuscript wish list and they want specific genres and clearly set out. I want to see this. I don't want to see this. SFWP I think probably a a bit unique in that they will literally take any genre, um, and they're just kind of they're more like want to see the story. They don't don't really care where what it fits into. Um, so when I pitched it, I submitted it to that, that fantasy open call for them, but it was more of a case of, they wanted to just see improvements in the story and not necessarily that it fitted like really neatly into the fantasy genre. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it, to be honest, it probably counts more for like readers where you're defining, um, genre and where that's coming in because you know people are going to be searching for certain genres in what they're reading mm -hmm. um so perhaps that's that's where it's where it's coming in the importance of those things is in the marketing of books rather than in for us as authors um being able to sell it on the kind of back end if that makes sense i think it's it, it does come down to like a marketing like it's easier for publishers to market something if they know okay if it's into like ya fantasy or whatever um, even if there are like blurred lines in the genre, some books do get kind of pigeonholed sometimes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's really interesting that the whole process is really interesting to me. The yeah. whole process. Did you consider, cause you mentioned being impatient when, when you first started, did you consider soft publishing and just getting it and printing it and getting it out there? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was like, <clears throat> The, the end goal, if I didn't find a agent or publisher, 
um I was trying to like sow the seeds with my husband I was like yeah if I don't find anyone they'll probably just you know self-publish just to try and make him aware that that could happen and like there might be costs involved and all that kind of stuff because I, I think there's self-publishing now is way easier than it has been previously and, and there are some amazing self-published um books available so this was a story that I didn't really ever want to let go of in terms of I wanted to put be able to put it out there and it it meant a lot to me and I know first book that maybe I, I could have got to a point where I thought maybe I'll just shelve this maybe it's not meant to be published but I really felt like I wanted this one to be out in the world and to, for people to read it and hopefully people will connect with it so I yeah if I hadn't found a publisher or an agent at some point I would have certainly gone down the, the self-publishing route and I was starting to like write down costs and stuff and and think about what that would what that would look like um to try and pitch my husband <laughs> <laughs> what was his reaction when you started to kind of just open him up to the idea uh you know what he's really supportive it's he's uh I think he's happy that I when I started writing that I found something that kept me kind of quiet in the evenings and gave him more time on the PlayStation um so, <laughs> yeah he's been really supportive and I, and I think he would have you know I was mentioning to him if self-publishing potential cost and he was like yeah as long as you know you're budgeting all this stuff then and that's something you want to do then then go for it and you know it ended up that I don't need to do that but yeah I, I I'm really grateful for his support because I think at times when you're a writer it can be really tough and feel a bit lonely and like when the rejections are rolling in, you're like, oh, maybe I should just give up because this is really tough. And rejections are difficult no matter who you are, because as much as I always tell people, don't take it personally, because absolutely not everyone is going to like your writing. And that's just fact. I still was taking it personally. I think that they've gotten easier now. Uh, but when you're kind of refreshing your email inbox over and over again, and you get an you're like, oh, there's an email and then, oh, it's a rejection. It's hard to bring yourself back up sometimes. And so his support has been really, uh, really appreciated in getting me through this. Um, him and like other other writers that I've met on Twitter who have been supportive as well. It's a really good community on there. Yeah, it's surprised me the the writing community on Twitter and, and Twitter has its negative uh, you know, there's 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 pockets of negativity on Twitter, but the Reddit community is really supportive, and it seems like they really look out for each other. So it's um, yeah. a lot of a lot of authors have told me that they found so much support and and um, help yeah. on the in that community. Yeah. And um, you also mentioned video games. Uh, how has how have video games inspired you? Oh, they. I think they've been inspiring me since I first started playing. Like I. I so I remember floppy disks, and I, I think I, I feel like I played Duke Nukem when I was like eight, which is highly inappropriate. But <laughs> <laughs> there we go, I was doing it. But the the main like the the first time I remember, remember like falling in love with video games was um, Ocarina of Time um, when I was I think I was about ten. Um, and yeah, Legend of Zelda is a series that I just really enjoy. Um, and you know, it's I think I think it's quite a simple formula in terms of fantasy story. You know, it's just the hero and the he, he, the hero's journey. You're just following Link, but defeating the, the evil guy. So it's it's a story that is it's a little bit kind of uh, it's been it's tried and tested, right? It's it's a fantasy story that we've seen multiple times. 
so for me i i definitely take the basis of um those kind of stories legend of zelda final fantasy like i grew up playing the final fantasy games um probably like numbers eight through 12 with like the, the times i was playing it um and now i play you know, like bigger games like um i love red dead redemption 2 um god of war horizon zero dawn and forbidden west um just mass on uh, the witcher 3 as well um so games where i think what those ones have in common i'm not so drawn to the the open world again it is like how interesting is the main character like red dev redemption 2 for me like as much as yeah it probably was a bit repetitive in places the game was huge and like there was unnecessary bits but the characters and the way they interacted with each other really uh drew me in and, and made me connect with that story so i think that's that's where i've again taken the influence from video games is how the characters present and how they what how their stories unfold um yeah, because I have no doubt that, you know, you're seeing elements of all these different games that I've played in my storytelling because I don't think there's any way you can play these games like, you know, as a dedicated video gamer um, and someone I've been playing for like, you know, 20 plus years. Um, yeah, there's there's no way you can absorb stories like that and not kind of have them come out in your own writing. Um, I think there's just... Yeah, on some level, there's going to be like bits or bits and pieces from all those games that are coming together in in, in what I'm, the stories that I'm telling. If you had to pick one, what would be your favorite video game? Ooh. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I'm veering between Majora's Mask and Red Dead Redemption Two. Mm. I'm going to say Majora's Mask just because that. I think what what I preferred about that over Ocarina of Time was the fact that it is that that game is like telling multiple multiple people's stories because you're having to collect all these masks um, and to, to collect the masks. I think there's like fifty or sixty, maybe. I might be. It's been a while since I played it, so maybe there's less. But for each mask, there's like a story that line that you have to go through and to collect it. So yeah, I love that game. That's what I replayed it loads. Like. Um, it's one that I, I revisit kind of regularly because it's, you know, you just get to a point where it's like muscle memory. You're working through the dungeons. You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to look at a guide anymore. Like I did when I was like 11. <laughs> um, and it's just kind of like a nostalgic comfort thing at this point. Like I love the music. I love um, there's like just the sound effects and just, I think it brings back a lot of uh, comforting childhood feelings. Uh, whereas Red Dead Redemption 2 just kind of left me, like broken and de devastated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's great when a when a game can give you those those positive vibes, like the nostalgia mm. and you know just the sound and the the story and the characters. Mm. Uh, you had mentioned uh, your Dungeons and Dragons character being an inspiration, and it, that character being in your book. Do you mm -hmm. still play Dungeons and, Dungeons and Dragons? I don't, sadly. Um, I was playing like up to the pandemic. And then we had lockdown. I think we did attempt to do like some virtual ones, but it just the group kind of just drifted apart after that. And it was difficult to like to pin everyone down. You know, everyone was going through their own stuff during COVID and I completely get that. Um, so it's something I, I really would love to go back to, especially now I've got my own child. Um, 
I mean, he's only a baby right now, but when he gets older, I'd love to introduce him to that kind of stuff because it, it's a shame that I only came to it in like my late 20s. It's something that I think I would have really enjoyed playing when I was younger because it's the so it just opens up a part of your brain. I think you don't necessarily engage in other like storytelling mediums um, and you, you know, you're having to be creative as part of it and do acting, which was the bit I really hated. I was always really awkward. I was like, no, my, my character's mute. It's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, but I did become more comfortable talking as it went on and it helped that I was playing with people who like really were, uh, experienced in it because I felt a bit like I was fumbling around like oh what what dice am I rolling I don't know um <laughs> so it's, I would definitely say I'm like I'm a newbie to it still I, I was playing for a, a few years but there's so much to learn for, for Dungeons and Dragons and yeah I, I I played like the basic like is it like a fighter like that's <laughs> so predictable that's that is the option I always choose in any game like you know like Diablo or whatever I'm like yeah barbarian that's fine because you can just just beat the heck out of people and uh that is is easy so that was the character I chose and yeah it was it was a lot of fun I would like like I said I would love to go back to D&D at some point um it's just about finding that group, isn't it? And like finding people that you connect with and are able to meet up at regularly. Yeah. And COVID really changed everything, didn't it? Yeah. Just everything. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, did you get a lot of writing done during that time period? I, yeah, I did. Um, I think I was, okay, where are we? COVID. So yeah, I wrote the second book in the Communes Curse series. Um, I think after, so I'd probably got my contract by then. I was like, okay, I need to start working on this. Um, and I was working on that serial killer fantasy book that I mentioned earlier. So that's got a little bit to it, but I haven't looked at that in a little while. I started working on a joint fantasy project with um, my, uh, my friend Cindy Van Wilder. Uh, again, is something on the back burner. Um, so I think COVID, I was working from home um, doing my counselling. So it was like, so much opportunity to write. And now I'm like, I had a baby last summer and the uh the writing capabilities have gone out the window so i'm looking back at the pandemic like oh i really should have appreciated that time <laughs> because as much as it was really crap and it was a horrible time and you know so much like uh stress for people and you know people's mental health took a took a dive during that time myself included because you know we're stuck in this tiny flat um i think writing really gave me like a means of escape and of still being able to uh feel like I was I was doing something for me uh even if I wasn't able to to leave the house for extended periods of time I was still escaping out into this other world that may sound incredibly cheesy but it you know it just gives that that kind of opportunity for people and I think that was important probably for a lot of people who are writing through the pandemic um helping to give you something to focus on that wasn't covid yeah, I think that escapism, the, escape, the escapism is really important, especially now because we're so inundated with politics or whichever side anyone is on. There's always someone on the other side, and it's it's just so, such a toxic thing. So I think it's important to have those places you can go, whether it's places you create or that you someone else created that you're visiting. So it's really important, I think. Yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> we'll go crazy. Uh, do you have any, you mentioned tropes or the character tropes. Do you have any favorite fantasy tropes? Um, yeah, I'd say probably I do like found family. Um, I think there's something like 
quite comforting about that. Like that, that is a trope that is used in, in my, in my book. I mean, it doesn't necessarily pan out how you would expect it to, but it's still one that, you know, the feedback I've got so far is like people like that relationship. And I think it's something that gives people something nice and, and um, fuzzy and warm to hold on to, even in, if it does, doesn't work out. Um, I also really like, um, like the bad guy, evil overlord, but again, I don't think you can have a bad guy who just does stuff because like he's just bad. Like I really don't enjoy stories where the bad guy is like that. It's just kind of a hollow shell. Um, and it's just, you know, killing a bunch of people for no, just because just that's it. Um, like this is again, one I've tried to look at in my book and, Going back to that counselling theory, okay, so why are the bad guys how they are? And kind of Commander Suleiman, who is one of those those point of view characters, is to an extent he starts as as a as a bad guy, but as the story goes on, hopefully you see part of his history and what he's been through and start to understand why he believes what he believes. Um the actual kind of antagonist, if you like, of this story, Lord Torrent, who um Commander Suleiman uh works for um again i've used like attachment theory and counseling theory to to try and give a little bit backstory and um make his actions a bit more understandable even if they're not like agreeable and i think that's key to making like a good evil overlord is uh <laughs> having them having their backstory a little bit fleshed out and making them a bit sympathetic even if you're like okay yeah they've just slaughtered like a whole village but like their mum didn't love them so <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's it just it gives that tiny glimmer of a redeeming uh feature i think and i i for me i think that's what makes tro makes tropes um enjoyable like you cannot avoid them they're going to be in a, every story that you read but how's the author put like a little twist on it and made it a little bit different and unexpected hmm. and what books do you enjoy reading um def well fantasy unsurprisingly um so it's kind of, i am a bit of a mood reader um sometimes I'll, I'll fancy like a real like diving into an epic fantasy like a trilogy you know i've got like several robin hobb series on the go um but the thing is i'll kind of get to i'll read like one book and they were like i need a break now so i'm going to go read like this crime thriller or just like, i find that i can really read crime thrillers really quickly because they're just like i don't know a, a lot less complicated than, than epic fantasy stories tend to be you know there's less characters to remember and less uh less stuff going on it's just you know a serial killer being hunted down or whatever it is um and yeah so i kind of tend to like have fantasy crime thriller and like balance it out like that um i have recently started reading multiple books at once because I don't know what's happened to my brain since I had a baby, but I've like really slowed down with my reading. So I'm like, okay, if I read two books at the same time, I mean, not literally, um, <laughs> that would be a, a feat. Um, maybe I can read them quicker. What's actually happened is that I'm reading both books even slower, but you know, it was a nice idea in principle and it means that I can kind of know that I've got more, more to choose from my my to be read pile is huge. So if people could stop, you know, releasing really good sounding books, <laughs> that would be great. I need yeah. to catch up. But yeah, fantasy is definitely number one genre um, and, and has been like for as long as I can remember. 
Yeah, it's there's so there's too many books out there. It's hard to keep up. It really some, is. Yeah, it's really <laughs> tough. Uh, do you have any uh, favorite um, any favorite books or any books that you've read that have you've noticed things about their writing style or what they did in the writing that you thought, well, that's really clever. I should try and do something mm -hmm. like that that you may not have noticed before when you uh, before yeah. you started getting serious about writing. Yeah, that, I mean, I think once, I don't know if other people have found this once they've started writing, but I've found, like, I cannot turn my, um, like, editing eye or critical eye or whatever it is, or it's, like, admiring writing, like you say, I can't turn that part of my brain off. So I'll be, like, reading something, like, oh, that's amazing. Like, I, I really wish I could write like that. So definitely, and I'll keep mentioning her, but Robin Hobb is, <laughs> is to me, her writing style is just something I really aspire to because she creates like not only three-dimensional characters who like sometimes you, you love to hate them sometimes uh, you're rooting for them from the beginning and um, but also the world building as well and that's something that probably for me is is something that I would like to be able to gain more skill in is, is world building and I feel like you know my, my world is pretty re well realized but it's it's not as complicated as some of these that you see, like um, Samantha Shannon's Priory of the Orange Tree is another one, which is a really, it's a, like a really big fantasy book. Um, and I felt like the world building that was amazing. So yeah, I, I'm not necessarily someone that gets drawn to like overly lyrical or like descriptive writing. I do, you know, I veer away from an info dump, but it's when writers are able to, weave that that world building really seamlessly into, into the story as it's moving along i think that's a skill that you really needs honing as you as you write more and undoubtedly that's that's something that i need to keep working on hopefully as i write more books it will become something that is just kind of second nature um i think perhaps when you first start writing out uh, sorry start out in writing um you can feel a little bit awkward and like trying to describe something and trying to move the story at the same time. It's a bit of a skill. You need to be able to mesh those two together. Mm -hmm. And you've, you've taken part in, in a few panels recently. What has that experience been like? Yeah. Nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> that was my, my first, like, like, so I did um, QuarantCon um, a few weeks ago, which is a, an online convention and I'm doing right hive in, in June, which is, again online and I think actually you having the option to do my first conventions as online gives me a little bit of a like easing me into this <laughs> the convention uh lifestyle kind of thing because I'd love to take part in real life ones at some point um but I'm, I'm someone who is inherently anxious um really introverted I've had social anxiety since I was I was young so yeah it gets to a point where I'm just like what I can't believe I'm doing this. Like if I told my teenage self what I was doing, I think I'd just kind of implode on the spot. Like <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's really fun though. To be honest, once I started talking to people, like we did um, for QuarantCon, it was about love and other kind of relationships in, in SFF uh, fiction. Once you start talking to people, you know, you just kind of start bouncing off each other. It, it becomes a lot more natural and the nerves tend to dissipate for me. So yeah, I think I'm always going to be nervous before I do anything like that at all. Um, and that's just me. 
I don't think you can ever switch that off if you're just an anxious person. But hopefully I'll get more opportunities to do it and just feel like I can uh, at least put a brave face on so I don't look nervous. <laughs> Even if inside, you know, I'm like internally terrified. Um, yeah, it's, but to be fair, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really want to do more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting panels. I've seen a few of them, and I watched the the one that you did too. So it's really neat that we can do that kind of thing online now, and and not have to not have to leave the comfort of your own home, or like you said, just kind of ease your way into the whole experience. It's easier online, you know, mm. you know to uh, instead of going in person. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of questions I have left for you. The first mm-hmm. one is: Was there ever a a hobby or a thing that you were excited to try, but when you tried it, you did not enjoy it? <laughs> Oh, okay. Let's have a think. I'm not. I'm, I'm now realizing how un- uninteresting a person I am. Um, probably like painting and stuff, because in my head, I can paint this amazing <laughs> like landscape or portrait, and I'll have like an image, and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And then it cut, like, gets put on paper, and I'm like, that's that is atrocious. What? what is that that's not the image I have in my brain so I very quickly kind of get annoyed with that uh, and give up like I have paints that have not been touched in many years um it's probably something that I need to be just relax about and just enjoy the process of painting you know but for me I just get frustrated that it's not turning out how I want it to so it's just I don't think I'm ever going to reach the skill that I would like to in my brain so I just like nah I'm I'm not going to (laughs) bother And uh, do you have a favorite family recipe? Ooh. Oh, man. I'm a rubbish cook. You know that. Um, <laughs> I mean, probably being English, it's got to be like a roast dinner. Um, and like, I, it's one of those things that like my husband has recently taken on the mantle because he's been practicing his roast potato recipe. So... He's inherited that from his mom, which I'm taking as my family because, you know, we're married. Yeah, um, and, yeah, so to be honest, he's more the cook in the relationship. And I'm, I'm fine with that because that means I just get loads of roast potatoes and don't have to do any of the prep. <laughs> so that works for me. And, yeah, this yeah, this is just like a particular way of cooking the roast potatoes. You get a nice crispy outer layer and fluffy on the inside. <sighs> Making myself hungry to talk about it. <laughs> And if the uh, if the zombie apocalypse happened today, what would be your weapon of choice? Oof. Oh boy! Is there an option to just like lock myself somewhere? <laughs> yeah, you can do, do that too. I always think I used to watch The Walking Dead, and I would just sit there thinking, if this happened, I'm just gonna go and hide somewhere and hope for the best because I I'm not good with blood. Um, so. <laughs> It would very quickly go go uh, downhill for me. If I had to pick a weapon, oh, I feel like it would have to be something just like close by, like like a particularly heavy book might <laughs> it would save someone's head in. Um, yeah, because oh, I think I would be useless if it happened, to be honest. I, I've seen enough of The Walking Dead to know I am not down for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the nearest Stephen King book and you're set to go. I've got the stand. It's fine. <laughs> you know, if have the stand, I'll use it. <laughs> uh, what was your first job? 
it was a really boring um, like office admin job. Um, yeah, I did those for like 10 years before I was like, this is soul destroying. I am going to train to be a counsellor and do something actually worthwhile. Yeah, it was it was one of those like, if anyone watches The Office, it was like exactly like that. Like, it was just, just like certain people in it and it's just, you know, I'm sure people, there are offices that are really great to work in, but I worked in like a really depressing one. Um, that other time I was like, this is amazing. I'm earning like, it was something like 800 pounds a month. Woohoo. And which is very little, but at the time I, I just left school and that was amazing for me. So to be, to be fair, I think it gave me a lot of experience. It gave me a lot of confidence. Like when I started the idea of answering the phone to people from the outside was terrifying but you have to do it. So it, it definitely, I got skills from those jobs that I think you can really help people like me who have a lot of social anxiety, like, yeah, answering the phone and building up your confidence, talking to people and stuff like that. So it's not like it was all bad. It's just that I never, ever want to do it again. <laughs> it's uh, it's great that we, we learn, like you say, we learn those lessons from those not so great experiences that we carry on and make us better. Mm. So something I like, I like to ask every guest because I like to try and improve the questions and the format and everything. Uh, if the roles were reversed and you were, you were in my position, mm -hmm. was there a question that you would have asked that I did not ask? Um, if you could meet a character from a book, who would you choose? Okay. Who would you choose? Mm. <laughs> who would you choose? Who would I choose? I think I would choose. Um, oh boy, I've I've messed myself up with my own question. Probably like <laughs> someone from Lord of the Rings. Um, I'm going to say Sam from Lord of the Rings because he he's one of my favorite characters. I think he just seems like just a good guy. He's he's loyal. He he knows how to cook potatoes. So you know that's all I need. <laughs> There's, a, there's quite a few people that think that Sam is the hero of Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. I totally agree. He, like, Frodo would not have, have, have seen that throw without him. No. No, he wouldn't have gotten there without him. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming by today. I had a great time chatting with you. And if mm -hmm. someone wants to connect with you, where's the best place to find out about Awakening or to, to connect with you on social media? So uh, Twitter is my main kind of social media place. So it's at Lucy A. McLaren. Um, and my author website, which is a mouthful, is lucyamclarenauthor.wordpress.com. But to be honest, if you just add me on Twitter, you, there's a link on there for my website. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook as well. But main one is Twitter. So go there and then you can find everything else um yeah and I'd, yeah if you want to check out my book i'd love to hear people's feedback and um you know it's my first book and it means a lot to me if anyone just even reads it i don't even if you don't enjoy it even if you just read it that that means the world to me but thank you very much for having me steve it's been a lot of fun yeah and the release date is may first of may uh, yeah a week today nice mm -hmm. so i'll leave all the links down below and i'll leave all the amazon links and all all the place to uh to connect with you and it is available, if someone watches this before May 1st, it is available for pre-order. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. It, like Pretty much anywhere you can buy a book, you should be able to pre-order it. Um, but obviously big ones are like Bookshop, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, 
all the big ones, there are pre-order links that actually all listed on my website. If you look on there, there's a tab that has all the pre-order links on it. How exciting is that to be, to have working on a book for so long and you're almost there, it's almost released, isn't it? It must be so exciting. It really really is. It is exciting and terrifying in equal measure. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's great to see, uh, you know, that you're so close. It must be a little, like you said, a little nerve wracking, but that's, it's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm really happy for you. So. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming by and I'll leave all the links, like I said, down below to connect with you and to order the book. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thanks again. Take care. Bye-bye.